0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic, fantastic. I want to kick off a, a two-part, really it's, it's a two and a half week series called The Tabernacle Prayer. The Tabernacle Prayer. And it's funny because my son, he's 13 years old, last night he said, Dad, what you preaching tomorrow? I said, well, I'm going to preach about the tabernacle. <laughs> he was like, for real? I was like, yeah, isn't that exciting? He said, Nope. <laughs> I said, well, you pray for me that I keep it engaging. Um, but I, I feel like the next couple of weeks are going to be different Uh, But it's going to stretch us. When you came in today, hopefully you got one of these handouts here. And I want you to keep this in your Bible for the next two and a half weeks. Give you a quick overview of what we're going to talk about. Um, Today, I want to kick off this thought uh, on the tabernacle and talk to you about the outer court. Okay. Uh, Sometimes this can get a little fuzzy. Um, but, but this is going to be a portal into the origins of our faith. How many of you know that Christianity didn't just start last week? How many of you know we're a part of a family and a tradition of believers over the centuries? And I think sometimes if we look backwards in our history, it'll help us reach our destiny. Can I have a better amen? You know, and this comes right out of the one-year Bible. Are y'all still reading the one-year Bible? Okay, y'all, y'all read the Bible? <laughs> the one-year Bible, okay, hey, listen, if your journey is like mine, I start strong. You know, we're in January, and it's Genesis, and man, there's some crazy family drama in the book of Genesis. How many of you, you thought your family was strange until you read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they put the funk in dysfunctional, and uh, you, Genesis is kind of cool because it plays out like a, you know, a crazy drama, and then Exodus is an action thriller, with all the miracles that God does through Moses and and delivers them from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. And then the law hits and you hit the book of Leviticus and it's like, how many of you have been lost in Leviticus for years? Oh man, still trying to find that goat. Where did that goat go? Uh, Well, I want to hopefully engage us in a modern world through an ancient text, and the tabernacle really speaks a lot. Uh, I think it's a great pattern and a great picture of a type of prayer for us to pray. Um, uh, Let me say this, too. You're going to hear a lot of information that may sound, and maybe the first time you've ever heard this, and maybe some of you, this is old hat, and you know it very well, Uh, but I want to encourage you. This series, it's not just about knowing more, but it's about loving better. All right, are you with me? How many of you know you can you can gain knowledge and information and still not know how to love God or treat people? You know that, that's what you call a Pharisee. The Pharisees knew the law of Moses forwards and backwards. It's not just about education. Come on, somebody. I want you to, to grow in knowledge today and next week and, and on first Wednesday when we finalize this, this series. But I pray that this information is going to help you love God and love people better. Can I have a good amen? And so the overview today, here's what I'm going to talk about this morning, the outer court. We're going to take a look at the gate. I'm going to talk about the brazen altar and the laver. Next Sunday, I want to talk to you about the holy place. And Once you reach the building, walk in the building of the tabernacle, you'll see the lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense, that altar of worship. And then on first Wednesday, I know some of you, your schedules are different and you're busy during the week, but please do not miss first Wednesday in March because we're going to finish this in the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. It's going to be powerful we're going to have an engaging interactive time together and so it's it's going to be a little bit different than Sunday but I figured we'll finish this with a bang on first Wednesday if you have your Bibles look at Exodus 25 Exodus 25 verse 8 the Bible says this have the people here's what God told Moses have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Now notice who the architect of this building is. It's God himself. God designed this building and every detail of its blueprint. This building never had to be remodeled. There was never an architect that had to look at it and improve on what was done. But it was literally from heaven, A gift from God to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And you'll notice if you're reading along in your one-year Bible, there's so much attention to detail. Sometimes I get lost in the details. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. Uh, How many of you you get easily confused if, if you're reading about, you know, 10, 12 things and trying to figure it all out at once? Man, I'm simple, Lord, this seems really complex and complicated, but I want to do my best to kind of, uh, to, to narrow our focus so that we can understand why this tabernacle prayer, why this blueprint is so important and the impact that it has for us today. Now, I, I was studying and reading several months ago, and I saw this for the first time okay? This was like revelation to me. But, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai, and this is probably familiar to, to most of you, God wrote those commandments in stone. Here Moses is 40 days on top of that mountain, and those Ten Commandments shaped the government and the behavior of ancient Israel. Now, through the centuries, those 10 commandments have been translated in a lot of different civilizations. But that's very familiar. God wrote those commandments in stone. But what I just realized not long ago is when Moses was on the mountain getting those 10 commandments from God, God also gave Moses the pattern of the tabernacle. Did you know that that was the same conversation? God gave him both the Ten Commandments and the the layout of the tabernacle. You say, well, Mike, why is that important? Here's why. Because when God gave Moses those Ten Commandments, he knew that man would break every commandment. He knew your propensity and my propensity to sin. James says if you've broken one commandment, you've broken all of it. He knew that we could live up to the Ten Commandments, so he gave us the tabernacle as a means of staying in relationship with him. Oh, come on now, you're not catching this. Let let that sink. You say, Mike, why is the tabernacle so important? Because you and I in our own strength will never be good enough. And so the tabernacle, that system of sacrifice, was the way that God would live, not just among the ancient Israelites, but the way that he would keep us connected as well. This is huge. You know, the tabernacle was a mobile setup. You know, the the Bible says that they followed a cloud in the daytime and in the night they followed that that pillar of fire. And every time the cloud moved, then they'd have to pick up the tabernacle and all of its furnishings and move with the cloud. Here's the good thing about the tabernacle prayer. You can pray it any day, any time, any place. You don't have to just wait until Sunday to hear from the pastor to have your fellowship with the Lord. Come on, am I making sense? So you say, Mike, you know, the tabernacle is a little strange. It's kind of foreign. I'm not really used to it. But you're going to see over the next couple of weeks how important and valuable this is. You know, the history of the Old Testament priest, this is interesting. The average Israelite could not have a connection to the Lord. He had to go through the priest. You know, Aaron, Moses' brother, he was the, the original Levitical line of the priesthood. And the priest would take an animal sacrifice and present it to the Lord in order for the average person to have a connection with God. They made morning sacrifices and evening sacrifices. And so you're going to see, starting today, this progression of prayer. We're going to go from the outer court, then we're going to go into the holy place, and then we're going to finish at the most holy place. This is a type. It's a, it's a shadow of what's happening in heaven. Okay, in fact, Hebrews says this, Hebrews 8.5. They serve in a system of worship that's only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on the mountain. Now, I want to give you three thoughts today, and if you have your, your handout, I want you to take some notes, and I want us to spend some time reflecting and connecting, because prayer reminds us that we're not in control. Can I say that again? Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. You, you see, when you pray, you realize, God, I need you. And when you pray, you realize God, you are the one that's in control, even when my life feels like it's out of control. Are you ready? Are you ready to jump into the tabernacle? Okay, here we go. Number one the first thing is the gate. This gate, you see the layout of the pattern of the tabernacle, it separated the secular from the sacred. The Israelite community, they lived in a village. They, they wandered in the wilderness. But in order to access the presence of God, you had to go through the gate. And the gate represents thanksgiving. All right, I going to show you this. You know, back in uh, 2017. In fact, I think I saw Tony here earlier today. Tony and I went to Israel in 2017. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land, but if you get a chance to go to Israel, you need to. Because it brings the Bible to life. And I remember when our, our guide brought us from the Mount of Olives as we were looking at the eastern side of the holy city. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's going to touch the Mount of Olives, and he's going to enter into the eastern gate. And so when we were on the Mount of Olives looking at the holy city, I mean, there's just like fireworks going off in my soul. And we walked up the steps, the Southern steps toward the temple. Many of you, you've seen the Western wall, the Wailing Wall, and, which is close to the Temple Mount and that's a wall where people pray, they put prayers in the wall. And so we're walking up the Southern steps and I noticed it was just a little hard to get up the steps because the stones were cut in different shapes and sizes and the staircase wasn't uniform. And our tour guide said, there's a reason why this staircase was built, not even. It's because when you enter the holy city, you have to enter with a certain posture. Okay, I mean, if you're just some of you, can run up a flight of stairs and it's so nonchalant. But when you come into the city of God, you need to come with a certain spirit of reverence and respect. Come on, are you with me? This is how we enter the gate. Now, now, watch this. The Bible says in Psalm one hundred, enter His gates. With thanksgiving and into his courts with what? With praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. How do we enter the gate? With a spirit of gratitude. Let me ask you this. Why do we start our service singing songs? You ever wonder that? Is that just the thing we do? We're going to sing 3 maybe 4 songs and then somebody's going to come up and pray and then we're going to talk about the offering and then Pastor's going to preach and we're going to bow our heads, we're going to touch 3 people, get ready, get ready, get ready and I'm not here because I had okay and then we're going to to Piccadilly. I don't know. Why do we start with songs? Because before we ask God for anything, we're thanking him for everything God I just thank you Lord I thank you that by your grace I came to church today come on somebody how do we enter? the gate is all about entering how you enter says something about you just like you're walking up the southern steps into the holy city God wants you to be calculated and intentional when you enter into his courts let me ask you this how do you start your day how do you enter the day Hopefully, you enter with a thought on the goodness of God. Did you know it was God that kept your heart beating while you slept? It was God that put air in your lungs. You didn't have to think about it. It was God that gave you rest and put Fruit Loops in your bowl. Come on, somebody. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. God instructed the people of Israel, when you come to me, come with the right spirit. And this whole thing about the tabernacle prayer, it starts with an attitude of gratitude. Do you know grateful people can find a blessing, can create a blessing, and can enlarge a blessing? Did you know that? If you're grateful, and I know that life is hard. I know that things are tough. We see so many people suffering and hurting in the earth today. The Bible doesn't say be thankful for everything, but it says be thankful in everything. How many of you know that even even when your world seems to be falling apart, you don't have to look too far to find something to be thankful for? I want to be that kind of person that enters into the presence of God with a grateful spirit. Lord, I'm just so thankful. I tell this to my staff all the time and they laugh at me, uh, but but it's true. I tell them, I may not be the most gifted pastor, but I want to be the most grateful pastor. Pastor. I may not have the talent, the charisma, the power, the intellect of some of these great men of God, but you know what? I'm not trying to imitate what God has given them. I'm just thankful for what God's placed in my little life. And if we would be consistent in our gratitude, watch what God does. I'm reminded of that guy, Alex Haley. Alex Haley was the author of the book Roots. And many of you know that book was turned into a movie. But he wrote that book in 1976. That book has been published in 37 different languages. Alex Haley is one of the most prolific writers of his day. He was a Pulitzer Prize winner. And he garnered so many awards and accolades. And, but it was interesting how in his office, they said Alex had a picture hanging on the wall of his office that was, that didn't match any of the decor. And it just stood out. It was a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. It was strange. And every time somebody come visit Alex in his office, they would ask them about that picture. Say, dude, what's the deal with the turtle on the fence post? It just doesn't make any sense. And Alex said, here's why that painting is so important to me. Because when I write a few lines and I read my own writings, And I start to become impressed with what I've accomplished. Or when I hear all the compliments or or I gather another award and I'm tempted to think, wow, look at me. I look at that picture hanging on the wall and I'm reminded that turtle didn't get there on its own. He had help. How many of you know that turtle didn't climb up that fence post on its own? Somebody took that turtle and set it right there on the top of that fence post. Can I tell you this? You didn't get here on your own you had help somebody helped you i don't know how successful you've become but how many of you can identify god as your source of every good and perfect gift and in fact, why don't we do this right now? When we pray at the gate, here's what we start. We just start thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Why don't you, right where you are, just out of your own mouth, begin to thank him. Let's just lift up our hands toward heaven. Father, I thank you that we enter into your presence, not based on our own strength and ability, but Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you for health and strength in our bodies. God, I thank you for this church that we get to worship at and be a part of, Lord, I thank you for a community of believers, the Healing Place Church family. God, we, we recognize that you're the source of every good and perfect gift. So we give you thanks as we enter into the gate in Jesus' name. And everybody said, that's the gate. Somebody say Thanksgiving. Number two, once you move into the gate and you look at the outer court, the very first thing you'll see is the brazen altar number two the brazen altar and this represents sacrifice okay this was a square platform made of acacia wood and it was covered with bronze now if you noticed in that picture and on this handout that brazen altar had four corners and a horn on each corner And many times when the priest would offer that sacrificial animal, the priest would sprinkle the blood, not just on the side of the altars, but on each of the horns. Now, you'll see this as we move forward in the tabernacle, but the size of the altar is significant. This brazen altar is so big. Now, you're going to see in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about the other items in the tabernacle. But the altar is so big that you can take every item and fit inside of that altar. In fact, it's bigger than the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark represents the power of God. Somebody say power. You know, everybody wants power, but few people are willing to sacrifice. Come on, somebody. It's interesting. Notice now the size is significant because the altar of sacrifice is infinitely bigger than the Ark of the Covenant. If you want God's power, how many of you know you got to be willing to make sacrifices? say, Mike, why is this so important? The brazen altar is important for this reason. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. We can't have fellowship or communion with a holy God, bringing our fallen nature into the equation. How do we approach God? We need forgiveness. How many of you know we live in a fallen world that's good at sinning? Hello? How many of you, if it weren't for God, you'd be really, really, really good at being really, really, really bad? You know, and this is what, hey, when we talk about sin, when we hear, in fact, I say this, when you hear of somebody else's sin, you shouldn't be disgusted, you should be broken. Because how many know the scripture says, all of us have sinned? The Bible doesn't say, y'all have sinned, the Bible says, all have sinned. Come on, somebody. Somebody say all. That includes you and me. Aren't you glad the pastors from this pulpit never preach about y'all's sin, but we talk about all of our sin? Don't let this stage fool you. Come on. Flesh is flesh. You can polish it. You can pump it. You can primp it. You can style it, but flesh is flesh. And left to ourselves, we are really good at sinning. You know, dogs bark, ducks quack, Cows moo and sinners sin, right? And in a, in a pursuit of a relationship with the Lord, our sin separates us from him. And so the priest would take the, the all, in fact, here, here's what's interesting to note. In the Old Testament, you could not approach the presence of the Lord without an offering. You had to bring an offering. And the scripture says that there were animal sacrifices that were offered at this brazen altar. They would take a a goat or a calf or a ram or a bull or a sheep. Or if you were poor, you'd bring in a pigeon. Uh, Whatever, you had to offer an animal sacrifice so the shedding of blood would atone for your sin. Now let me ask you this. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to offer an animal sacrifice every time you sin? Listen, if if I had to bring an animal to sacrifice at the house of God for all the mistakes that I've made, how many know that neighborhood dogs and cats would be missing? (laughs) Where's little Fifi? Oh, sorry, it was a rough weekend. Now, here's what's cool, because every article in the tabernacle points to Jesus, right? We said the gate. Everybody say the gate. Jesus said, I am the gate in John, in the gospel of John. Now we're talking about the the brazen altar, the sacrifice. Uh, Listen, if you couldn't approach the presence of God without an offering in the Old Testament, the New Testament changed everything. Because now you don't need to bring a goat, a calf, a ram, a bull but enter Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world once and for all. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, listen to what the scripture says in Hebrews 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Somebody say boldly. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody say the blood. Why are believers bold? Because of the blood of Jesus. I'm bold because of the blood. Not because there's anything special about me. I know that among you, I am the chiefest of all sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. It's because of his blood now we have access. How do we enter the presence of God? Not only enter his gates with thanksgiving, but now because of the brazen altar, we have a spirit of boldness and confidence about us. Are you catching this today? This is why Jesus is such a big deal. This is why the sacrifice, the cross, think about it. Think about the whipping post. Think about the crown of thorns. Think about the lashes on his back. They pierced his side and blood and water flowed. They crucified him on a cross. They buried him in a tomb. But three days later, he rose from the dead. You see, this is the gospel. The brazen altar is all about the gospel. And it's amazing to me how churches don't preach the gospel anymore. I mean, it's easy to go self-help or psychology and we've forgotten the gospel how many of you know if it weren't for the blood of jesus we would be a mess oh why this is such a big deal the brazen altar the sacrifice of jesus you know i remember a number of years ago uh, i think rachel and i went to new york and uh, some of you know kevin mawai he former lsu football player he played 16 years in the nfl and i think he played with the seahawks played with the jets and he finished his career with the Tennessee Titans. And so when, when he was in New York, we, we would go up and do chapels for the team. And, and I remember being in New York at one game, and, and after the game was over with, you know, the players were coming out of the tunnel. And because I was with Kevin, I was down you know, in the locker room area coming out of the tunnel with the players and talking to some of the guys and you know, building some connections, relationship. And so as they were walking out of the stadium, it was lined with people behind barricades and it were these kids that were you know, seeking autographs and they would see their, their, their favorite NFL athlete and oh, you know, they got their programs or they got hats or t-shirts they were wanting them to sign. And so I'm walking out with the team and I just kind of tell And I could see these kids, they're checking their program, like, who's that guy? I think, man, he's got to be like the punter or the field goal kicker or something, that one bar face mask guy. Who is that guy? You know, I just kind of, hey, because I, I was hanging out with, with Kevin. And so as we were walking by, this one kid was looking at me, and I was like, oh, okay, if you insist. Grabbed his program, scribbled my name. God bless you, baby. God bless you. He's like, who is this? (laughs) You see, knowing me gave you nothing. But because I was with Kevin, I had access. You see, how do we get access to a holy God? Jesus signed his name and he signed it in blood. It was because of his sacrifice. Now all of a sudden our sins are forgiven. Here's what I thought about this morning when I came into church. Some of you are giving way too much credence to your sin and not enough credit to the grace of God. Some of you, the enemy is hammering you with guilt and shame and condemnation. You don't even feel worthy coming into the presence of God. And God's like, wait a second. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. How many of you know there's not a sin that you've ever committed that the grace of God can't erase? Why do we enter his gates with thanksgiving? Because we've been forgiven of much. When we see the the brazen altar, we thank him for his sacrifice and it creates boldness. Come on, how many need some boldness and confidence in your life? I want you to do this right now. Keep your hands up in the air. I want to pray over Father, in Jesus' name, I just speak boldness and confidence over your people. Lord, I come against guilt and shame and condemnation. The doubt the enemy creates in our minds, Father, I cancel it because of the sacrifice of your son. Lord, we thank you for the blood that covers our children. God, the blood of Jesus that protects our bodies, Lord. God, I thank you that you give us boldness in our schools, in our workplace, God, in our neighborhoods, Father. Lord, we pray at the brazen altar in confidence because we know that you hear us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, somebody say the gate. Say the altar. Number three, the last thing, and here's where I want to end. Number three, I want to talk about the laver, the laver. And that represents purification, the laver. That's an odd word. It's an unusual word. What is a laver? Basically, it's a large bowl filled with water. After the priest would offer that sacrifice, his hands were bloody. It was messy. This Old Testament tabernacle system was messy. It was complicated. It was very detailed. And the priest, before he could enter the building, before he went into the holy place, he had to be cleaned. He would with this bowl of water, he would wash the blood from his hands and he would wash his feet. Washing his hands and feet then purified him and prepared him to enter into the holy place. Okay? Why is the labor important? Because you and I need to be purified. We've got to be cleansed. As I was studying this, I I thought about my mom. How many of you, if you heard it once, you heard it a thousand times? Don't be tracking that dirt up in here. Come on, anybody? How many of your mama made you kick your shoes off at the door? Uh-uh, don't track that mud up into my house. You were dirty and you didn't know it, right? you just living life, being you. Mama's like, no, I worked too hard to keep this place clean. You know, when we were young, we would take a bath Every Saturday night. Saturday night was, was bath night, right? Why? Because we were going to church on Sunday. So you take a bath on Saturday. Now, listen, I was a kid, I grew up in a trailer court. I lived in a trailer for 13 years. We'd take a bath Saturday night. That was the only time we took a bath, but we had to get clean Saturday night because we were going to see Jesus on Sunday, right? And as I got older, mom would be like, hey, uh, son, come here you need to take a shower way more than you're doing right now. I'm like, what? It's a Saturday night. I took a bath whether I needed it or not. What do you mean? I got to take one on Monday, Wednesday? How often are we talking here? How many know middle school kids, they don't know how bad they smell? See, the truth is, some of us are dirty and we don't even know it. We stink. We don't know it. say well Mike you making me feel bad no because we live in a dirty world some of you work in environments that are just godless and it's it's amazing how that stuff attaches itself to you the rude jokes the inappropriate material being watched online some of the music that's being listened to and I mean, it's it's all around us, and yet God says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Why is the labor so important? Because we need to be cleansed, not just from the outside in, but from the inside out, that God would give us clean hands, and he would give us a pure heart. When we enter to the gate, we're just grateful. We see that that brazen altar and we embrace the sacrifice of Jesus and we pray, Lord, give us boldness. But it's at this labor we repent. Scripture says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, my prayer for you is that God would wash you by the water of His Word, that God would cleanse you with the Holy Spirit's power, that you can live in the world and not be of the world. You see, you are different in order to make a difference. And this tabernacle prayer sets the pattern. Remember, prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it also keeps us close to the one who is. Amen? You receive that. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that.